Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. This week, we're talking with Phil Rosenthal, the host of Somebody Feed Phil. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Phil Rosenthal. Oh, hello, Deborah. The famous Deborah Birnbaum. The famous Phil Rosenthal. Yes. More famous, in fact, though, than your parents. <laughs> Only a little. Only a little. I mean, because I now... I think they're going to be stars. People come up to me, we like your show, we love your parents. I'm like, why do I bother traveling? <laughs> I could sit in the kitchen with them, that could be the show. People like we, them. We just got to see a fantastic little promo of your parents yes. getting involved. Yes. How did that come, hap- come off? How did ne- that happen? Netflix knows stars when they see them. They <laughs> sent a crew to my parents' apartment, and they asked them to find Netflix on their TV. And what you see in that promo is exactly what happened. There is not – nothing is scripted. There is not one that – it's a minute of true Jews and technology and something extra that happens, which was a surprise to us. I won't tell you what happened. Let's just say my mother thinks I work for Vanity Fair. Oh, of course. <laughs> of so, course she does. And that gives you a little hint about because why this is Because a magazine is a magazine. A magazine is a yeah. magazine and everything is the same. Yes. Yes. And I know she will never listen to this, so we're, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my parents won't hear it either. I could say anything. So first of all, congratulations on the show. Thanks. Thanks. I'm very happy with it. I'm very lucky to have it. Uh, so, I'm lucky to, for the people that I've met. You I'm know, sure. You've, got, you've had some amazing adventures. I have. I now, people say to me, you, you have friends around the world. And I'm like, you're right. That's the best part is, is wow, I can go back to... Lisbon and I have friends there. Isn't that awesome? You know, what I love so much about it is like not only, I mean, you came in with obviously already knowing some people, but you were just making friends on the street as you met people. Yes, that's what we do. I mean, when you go on vacation, my wife and I call this vacation magic, that, that things happen that even if you think, oh, that place is closed, we came all this way and it's closed, some other door opens to an adventure or something beautiful that you never expected because that first thing was closed. You know, and I don't know why that just seems to happen. I think when you commit to uh, going and having a good time, your vacation, things kind of conspire to make sure you do. I mean, of course, there are terrible things that happen once in a while and, and stuff. But for the most part, you know, I, all the show is is something to get you to travel. I just want you to travel, not just because I think the world would be nicer if we all were exposed to each other's experiences. But selfishly, for you, forget wanting to make the world nicer. For you, it's the best gift you give yourself. 
You travel, right? Absolutely. So what better thing is there to do with our saved up pennies, right? Than to go somewhere else and see something else. It's so much better than a car, you know, some fancy car. It's so much better than, than any material thing is this experience because it changes your outlook on life. It's stuff you can actually bring home with you and your life is better. So how did you come up with the idea for the show in the first place? What made you want to do it? Uh, I thought, what's a good scam to run? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've said this before, but it all started with an episode of Raymond where we did an episode where we went to Italy and Ray Romano did not want to go because he doesn't like to travel. And I thought, well, there's a show. Absolutely. There's a show. We send him over as him. We send him back as me, someone who likes traveling. And what I saw happen to Ray, the person, Ray, Ray the character in the show, which is that transformation of a guy who doesn't want to go and then falls in love with Italy. I saw happen to Ray the guy. It happened to him. He got woke. He, he, <laughs> he got it. He got it. And so the light bulb went off. This was the year 2000 mm -hmm. when we did that. And since then, I wanted to do a show where I could turn other people on to how great it is to travel. And I'm using food and hopefully humor as the way to get you. Have you always loved to travel? Yes. Yes. I never did until I was in my 20s. We never went anywhere. We couldn't afford it uh, uh, when I was a kid. But when I was 23, I think I got a, I got a gig where I could be a courier for DHL. They would send their excess baggage as your uh, – they would send their, their baggage as your excess baggage. If you were – they bought you a coach ticket, which was very cheap. And then everything went as excess baggage, everything they were sending over to, say, Zurich. Mm -hmm. You get off in Zurich, you hand the guy who's waiting with a DHL sign the baggage claim tickets, and then you're free to go. They, you don't get paid. You just get a free flight to Zurich. And two weeks later, you do it the other way from yeah. Zurich back to New York. Mm -hmm. Well, this was – this was everything. I, did, I had $300 maybe, and I, I went, stayed in hostels. I stayed on friends of friends' couches, and it was the best experience of my life. Changed my life. That's why I'm saying you don't even have to have a lot of money. Go. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice also we, we put in a, an American city. So when we did the last show, I'll have what Phil's having, which is the same show really. It was on PBS. We put in Los Angeles as the sixth show, and here we put in New Orleans. Because I understand not everyone can afford to go overseas, even, even, you know, saving up. But you can travel in your own country. And I'll go one step further. You can travel in your own town. Definitely. You know, there's a Peruvian restaurant down the street. You never tried because what do I know about Peruvian food? But we have the phone. Go look. Go Google the menu at the place. And you oh, chicken and rice. I like that. Yes, yes. <laughs> You'll see there's something to eat. And then you shake it up a little. It doesn't always have to be a burger. Yeah. Absolutely. And then before you know it, you fall in love with the food, you fall in love with the culture, and mm -hmm. the next thing you know, I think we're going to Peru, honey. Let's go. <laughs> no, I mean, each episode is very much a love letter to any given city. I mean, yes. That's what's so, you know, charming about it. Thanks. I, how did I you do pick love the places that I go. How oh. do you pick which cities you're going to go to? Uh, if I'm trying to get Americans especially to travel, and they're somewhat reticent to travel, I thought, what are the most accessible – I'm starting with Earth's Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. The Best, most accessible, comfortable places so you don't have to worry. So even going to Saigon and, and Bangkok, they don't speak English. Most people speak English. You're going to have a hotel with a bed. You're not staying in a hut, right? You don't right. have to worry. I'm someone who likes to be a little comfortable at my advanced age. I want to, I want a bed with a pillow too. I'm with you. Yes. Who doesn't want a bed with a pillow? Yes, that's all. And then, and is there something for me to eat that's not bugs? Yes. And not only that, it's going to be awesome. 
It's going to be fantastic. If you like a food, you go to the source of that food. Mm-hmm. Guess where they have great Chinese food? I can't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm not walking into that punchline. If you like pizza, guess where they have good pizza? Let me think. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. St- most, pe- most people are very, very into food now. Yes. I think the show, show's even doing well because it comes on Netflix. And if you like the, this food show, you'll like this food show. And then here, here you go. Right? We're into it. You're we in that like, world. Everyone likes watching these shows. Mm-hmm. Me too. And when I plan a vacation, guess what? It's where's the food where's I want to eat. I'm with you. Man after my own heart. Yes. So we start there and then everything else kind of falls into place. Where oh, Now that we know that there's going to be great food there, is there a hotel that's going to be fun to stay in? Yes. Is there Are there sites to see? Because we can't just eat nonstop, but maybe it's a beautiful place to. Yes. So that's what the criteria is for picking the places we're starting with on the show. What was the transition like from PBS to Netflix? Did you change the show at all? Did Netflix want anything different? Here's the difference. New title, right? We're shooting in 4K, which is ultra high definition. So everything in the show looks fantastic except for one thing. I can't imagine. (laughs) (laughs) You look great. (laughs) Oh, you're very sweet. Uh, And I have a theme song. That's the difference. And I love the theme song. It's from Lake Street Dive, this great band. And they wrote a theme song for the show. It's hilarious. I love it. It's like a little bit of a sitcom. Were you involved in the writing of it at all? A tiny bit. I sent them some sample lyrics, and then they improved on them, changed them, added to it. And then, of course, they did their own instrumentation. I had no idea what the tune would be. And they made it like a little bit of a 90s throwback sitcom feeling. And I rarely talk about this, but you got. I have to admit that the show is, in fact, part sitcom. Mm-hmm. You're taking a character. I have to think of myself as a character. I, I, I don't when I'm doing it. It's just me. There's no acting. But when I look at it in editing, I see that guy, that nervous kind of awkward guy, and I see that it's funny that he, I'm talking in the third person like Trump, <laughs> is, is, is funny being uncomfortable. I see it. Mm-hmm. And I see what other people see in it. So in a way, and then you have recurring characters like my parents. Right. So in a way, it is a bit of a hybrid type of entertainment. Yes, it's a food show. Yes, it's a travel show. Yes, it's a humanistic-themed uh, show, meaning, meaning it's really about connecting with other human beings mm-hmm. and people and the celebration of our differences and, and the different uh, friends you can make in the world. But at the same time, I also recognize the laughs in the show that we do want, because it makes it entertaining, makes it a little bit like a sitcom. How much of that is scripted? Is it all just you? Really, it's all just you improving in the moment? Absolutely nothing. Absolute 100% real. It has to be. Mm-hmm. We don't fake one thing. There's nothing fake. We, we, and the way that we're able to get it is that we have multiple cameras. That is the secret. So you never have to, like, yes, it's a documentary series, technically, right. and usually those would be made with a single camera. Mm-hmm. So if you and I were talking, remember that scene in broadcast news where they film the one person? And the, the, it's funny because the audience never realized that that's, this is what they do. Right. They turn the camera around and now get the reporter reacting. Those fake tears. <laughs> fake tears, fake everything. Right. What if we had more than one camera so we didn't have to fake anything? You're seeing a person talking and a person reacting in real time. So that's a little bit of Netflix money there. 
I guess. Mm-hmm. I but guess. No. But we had multiple cameras on the other one, too. I insisted mm-hmm. on it. And I insisted on it back when we did the Russian uh, documentary about going to Russia. They invited me over to turn my sitcom into Everybody Loves Kostya. And that's called Exporting Raymond. And I did it about eight, nine years ago now. Mm-hmm. And that's on Netflix, too, if you want to see it. That's kind of the genesis for this because people saw me in that. And said, oh, we like the idea of you going places. I said, so does my wife. <laughs> but that that was also, I knew I, if I was going to be in the movie trying to get make the sitcom with the Russians, I couldn't think about directing. I'm doing, I'm doing my job as a showrunner trying to connect with the Russians. So I thought, well, let's have two cameras and I don't have to worry about it. That was my direction. <laughs> and then I forgot about it. And then later I had, uh, you know, 80 hours of footage to cut down <laughs> to 90 minutes. But... That's good. That's a good position to be in. Right. You'd rather Better have to have more. too much. Exactly. It's yes. easier to cut. Yes. And if I'm making a stupid face, you go to cut to the other one. Cut to the other guy. Well, I think a lot of the humor, but it does come from not stupid faces, but your facial reactions. When moments happen, yeah. a lot of the humor just comes from you reacting to it. I was blessed or cursed with a the worst poker face in history. I can't play. I will play, challenge you on that. I cannot play poker I either. I can't play that game because you know what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. So for some people, that's a blessing and a curse, right? right? Mm-hmm. I can't lie to you. I can't. I've never been a good liar. <laughs> I wish I was a little better in certain circumstances. But, but isn't this the best podcast you've ever done? Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, but I can't. Uh, when, you, when I take a bite of something, I don't know. You see, you, people are writing to me. We see what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Are there, is there anything you won't eat? Are there things off limits for you? You mentioned you didn't want to do the bugs version of this. Yeah, I'm not crazy about bugs. I'm not crazy about, like, uh, I heard about a terrible thing they do at, at a certain province of China where if you're the guest of honor, they bring a live poisonous snake to the table and slice it open and pull out the gallbladder and squeeze the gallbladder into a glass. And because you're the guest of honor, you get to drink this. Yes. Out. Please, nope. <laughs> please do not honor me. Please. But otherwise, you're a pretty adventurous eater. I'm eating. I've eaten now. I can proud to say a few bugs. Congratulations. Yes. I, think. I, I went to Mexico City. There were ants in the sauce, and they were kind of pulverized into the sauce at one of the top restaurants in the world called uh, Puyol, mm-hmm. P-U-J-O-L, in Mexico City. I recommend it. The food is unbelievable. The The chef is Enrique o, o, Overa, and... There's a sauce, these baby corn roasted, dipped in this uh, kind of chipotle sauce, and you see this little black bits in it, little tiny, tiny, like like almost like uh, pepper, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's pulverized ants, and I'm like, why? Why are we doing that? Why? That just to be disgusting? No, because the flavor of that it makes it a little salty in a unique way, in a way that's actually delicious and different from salt. <laughs> That's why. It's not just for no reason. Right. Taste, it turns out it tastes good. Oh, now, so- am I Mr. Ants now? I got to have ants on everything? No. But that was interesting and fun. I will take your word for it. <laughs> the show also does a great mix, though, of high-end restaurants as well as street food. I mean, you're an equal opportunity eater. I actually prefer now at this age, having had a lucky life where I've gotten to have the four-star meals and whatnot, I actually am... I feel more comfortable. Are you this way? With, with uh, not such a big deal. Yeah, I love street food. Mm-hmm. Here's my criteria: Is it delicious? I'd rather have a great hot dog than than a mediocre four star meal, very fancy. Mm-hmm. 
By the way, my back hurts after an hour. I'm sitting there, right? Some of these meals go on three, four hours. I get hours. impatient. Not- I can't sit still for that long. No. No. If I'm with somebody great and we're having a great conversation, yes. The night, oh, wow, magical, right? The right. food comes, beautiful. The presentation, the wine, the service, everybody's great. It's a, you're in a lovely place, beautiful people all around. It's a special occasion. And I think when we go on vacation, we are looking for that one splurge, mm-hmm. right? Maybe one more. If it's extra, you can't leave without going to this place. So we show that in the show because I want, the, I want people to see everything. And most of the time, you know, I'll go to some place and, and even Netflix, I'll get a note from Netflix. I'll say, why are you showing a hamburger in, this, in Saigon? Why? Because it's super good. You can't believe how good. Maybe this burger is better in Saigon than it is in, in America even. Right? Right. Why you go there for a burger? I didn't. But every city on earth, by the way, has a burger and a pizza and a falafel. Mm-hmm. Certain world cuisines have been translated now around the world. It's kind of fun to try them in the other places to see what flavors and what they're doing. And sometimes we can learn something. It's Why amazing not? how universal food is. How universal. And uh, meet people who came here or from, came to America from that country, fell in love with a burger. And then went back to their country to do it with the ingredients that are available there. And guess what? Unique, special, fantastic. So I love I loved the cross-pollination of people and foods and cultures. It's, we're all interconnected. We're all interdependent. And we have a lot to celebrate about each other. You know, I'm telling people now, instead of a wall, how about a table? Because... When you're sitting across from somebody at the table and you're eating something nice, you're not thinking about killing these people. <laughs> you're right. thinking about, oh, I love you. Oh, this is nice. Mm-hmm. This is let's let. And if we laugh, that's I say that food is the great connector, and laughs are the cement. That's what's going to make us friends, and that's what's going to make me want to eat with you again. And if we're eating again, there's no war, there's no crime, there's no right. Right. It's nice. Is that the message of the show? Is that what you want I people think, to take away from it? I hope. I mean, you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I hope that comes across. It very much does. I mean, I keep thinking. I mean, we were talking before we started about the Israel episode. It was really wonderful. Thanks. By the way, before this, do you hear about Jews and Arabs getting along? Not really. The only time you turn on the news, why would we think otherwise? Oh, Jews and Arabs hate each other. Why would we think otherwise? It's all we see. Mm-hmm. Do you know it was really, really easy for me to find Jews and Arabs? Perfectly fine together. Not only perfectly fine, but but living, celebrating, and and harmonizing working in towns, side side. working side by side. You saw the bakery. I just happened to pass it. I swear to God, we didn't seek this out. I was walking past it in Tel Aviv. Arab gentleman behind a counter at a bakery with a T-shirt that says "Jews and Arabs refuse to be enemies" in English, Hebrew, and Arabic on his shirt. And all ten people behind the counter working in that bakery. Jews and Arabs all had the same shirt. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful thing. You never heard about it. Why? Because breaking news, people getting along. That doesn't happen. <laughs> breaking news, this one wants to kill this one. Right. That's breaking news. Well, I want to be the other news. Right? It's not that that's fake news. It's not that I'm fake news. It's just another news. Mm-hmm. Both are true. But I'm here to say there's more of the good news than the bad news in the world. Why not? Why not see it? Can't there be one show where that, where where you see the other side? 
It would be wonderful. It's lovely. <laughs> it's a great idea. Thanks. How much research do you do before you go into each city? Are you a lot. Char- charting out which places you're going to hit? Yes, and it turns out that you can do it too. If you're going to travel, we all, again, have the phone. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to Google best restaurants in Lisbon. And then what I would do if, if, if I was to give advice to you is just don't go by one website or one thing. It could be sponsored by them. It could be anything. So you cross-reference. You know, people use Yelp a lot, but don't just go by Yelp. You've got to cross-reference these things. There's all kinds of agendas out there. So you want to make sure once you see it on three or four places, you're like, oh, yeah, now, now we got to go there. And then I have boots on the ground in each city because the production company I use uh, is also Anthony Bourdain's production company. So they've been doing it for 16, 17 years. So they know the cities. And they send me... Uh, on emails, here are the hot new places that we that everyone's talking about. And then again, I cross-reference and I see. And then it, it turns out, and then we leave room for serendipity. When we're there, we talk to people and we talk to the locals and we'll be in run restaurant and the chef will say, have you had the, have you had the falafel down the street? No, that's the best. So we check it out. Um, you mentioned Anthony Bourdain's production company. How yeah. do you think your show compares to his? I tell people I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain if he was afraid of everything. Do you think you're really afraid of everything? I think I start that way. I think I'm a little more nervous than him. And by a little, I mean a lot. <laughs> and, and he's an adventurer and a superhero to me. And I look at his show and I say, he is amazing. I'm never doing that. Right? But right. I think also that there are people like me also on the couch watching him and living vicariously through him. And I thought maybe there's a niche that I could fit in where I'm more representative of the people who watch Bourdain but will never go and do those things. Mm -hmm. And they look at me and they say, oh, if that putz can go outside, maybe I can too. No, it's fine. It's it's very much like the everyman traveler. You make it very approachable. I hope. I think that's the idea. I want to make it not scary to you, right? right? Even a place like Bangkok or Saigon. Mm-hmm. which seems out there to a lot of people. Vietnam, what's our frame of reference for Vietnam? If you're my age, it's, yes, war. it's a war. Absolutely. Do you know that, that 60% of the population were born after the war? That they don't even reference the war? That you would never know and that it's spectacularly beautiful and the food is outrageously great? And people to a person, talk to anyone who's been to Vietnam, they say it's one of their, if not their favorite place they've ever been i've heard that absolutely yeah and i only saw a small part of it in this show i gotta go back there's a lot more next to season see. maybe if there's a next season if i'm lucky enough to keep doing this i wouldn't mind doing this the rest of my life that'd be a good life was it hard for you to transition from being behind the camera to being in front of it nope nope i studied theater in school so i i loved every aspect of show business writing directing performing editing, producing. I love every aspect of the business except the business. <laughs> Look, I'm talking a variety. <laughs> right? I'm with you. The business is tough. The business is the part that keeps you from doing the show part of show business. Right? right? Show, fun, business, not fun. That's, it. That's really it. So what was the favorite, your favorite thing that you ate on your adventures? So many things. I, I mean, I could go city by city, but... We, uh, I'm going to pick one thing now just because it's at the top of my mind. It's this bowl of uh, – I don't know if you've ever heard of cow soy. It's a, it's a Thai dish. Mm-hmm. It's a bowl of coconut curry soup, and in it is big pieces of chicken, 
and uh, if you get the chicken one, beautiful pasta at the bottom of the bowl. And I say pasta because that's what it is. It's these homemade egg noodles that are fresh and delicious. And, and like any great pasta, they're sitting at the bowl in the bowl of this coconut curry. Then they put in puck, pickled mustard greens and shallots and uh, chili peppers and, and uh, onions. And then on top of everything goes crispy noodles. So everything's going. Everything is working. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most delicious things I ever ate in my life. And it's a dollar Amazing. in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Worth the trip for that. Yes. And then the counterpoint, least favorite thing. Oh. What are you not going back for? What am I not going back for? There's a taco I had in Mexico City where they didn't tell me what was in the tacos. They said, that we're going to give you three tacos. We're not going to tell you what's in oh, them. Couldn't do it. Rough, right? Yes. So I was very skeptical. But I thought, how bad could they be? And it turns out the first bite I had, very bad. <laughs> what was it? It was cow udder, which is not even sold in America. I think for good reason. <laughs> There's no market. So the next taco I took, I took a smaller bite because I got a little smarter you after the first bite. Yeah. Uh, this was some part of the inner throat of the cow. I don't know what it was. I said esophagus. He said no. I said something more disgusting. I don't know what it was. But I didn't like that either. And the third one, the meat was like black. And I'm like, God knows what this is. I don't like surprises that involve meat. Do you? No. <laughs> so, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> okay. So I took a tiny bite of this just to do it. And you know what? It was tasty and good. I didn't know what it was. It was good. It turned out it was lung. I know it sounds disgusting. But I can't help it. It was good is good. Mm -hmm. The first two, please keep away from me. Right. But this one, yeah, good. Now, am I going back for lung? No, I'd rather have a flank steak. I'd rather have you know the part of the cow that we do eat more often than not. Uh, but I tell everyone the tasting is its own reward. It's fun to taste the things. What's the worst that happens? You don't like it, so mm -hmm. don't have another bite. That's all. We're not kids. We can have a bite of something we don't like and move on. But what if you find the thing you like? Right. You're never going to find it if you don't try it. You're never going to find your true love, <laughs> right? If you don't go on the date, it's the same. How do you not gain 100 pounds over all of this? Uh, I work out every day. I pick my spots where I'm going to eat. So if I'm going to have, you know, the big taco meal in the middle of the day, maybe my dinner's not going to be so big. We film, it takes 10 days to film an episode. Wow. So I'm eating at maximum two meals a day on camera. And what I do, you know, like they do the dog food commercials, they starve the dog before the commercial. <laughs> I'm the dog. So I do that to myself. I have to be disciplined mm -hmm. because I want to be excited when the food comes. Right. I want to be enthusiastic. I don't want to be like, oh, no, more food. Who wants that? No, this is my dream. Mm -hmm. So let's save up a little bit. It's all about discipline, really, when you come down to it. That's what dieting is, is discipline. So that's what I do. And here's the other thing. Everything you see me eating on that show, I don't finish. Yeah. I give it to the crew. First of all, they're all looking at me with their tongues hanging out. <laughs> I'm sure. It would be cruel to eat everything myself. <laughs> Sorry, just for me, everyone. That would be stupid and wrong. And so I love seeing their – when I taste it and they see me get excited, they get excited and they're just like waiting. Is he going to give us some? Yes, I am. Yes, it's fun to see you light up too. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get full? Of course. And sometimes I'm full and I keep going. 
That's my, that's where I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. I can get full and still keep going. I think a lot of people are like me. I admire your commitment to your craft. Yes. Yes. I have to be professional. What I think is also so, you know, welcoming about it is, you know, the cinematography. You make everything look just so delicious. I don't. The director, John Badolis, the producer, my brother, Richard, uh, he's actually my brother. Um, and he's actually a producer. It's not just like, hey, throw your brother a job. He's a great producer. He was a great producer before this. It's just when I got this job, I told him to quit his job and come with me. This sounds like fun, doesn't it? And sure enough, I get to go around the world with my best friend, my brother. And so they do it, and they have these marvelous directors of photography, some of whom have done the Bourdain show, so they're very experienced. And it's great. I don't have to worry about it. Now, I fret over editing. I go into editing and I do it because like, I know how to make a television show. Mm-hmm. I also know how to cut something for comedic effect. So that's where my – if I have any expertise from the sitcom, it comes in to play there, which is maybe what sets the show apart from other shows in the food travel genre. That's all we've got to separate us is that. So I'm looking for that. But, you know, beauty shots are kind of the – wallpaper kind of the 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 thing that hooks you right away is oh my god look how good that looks right look at that look at that beautiful plate of pasta or look at that scenery it's so gorgeous you want to go there if i didn't have that no one would watch so i get how important that is and i got the best people in the world doing it what have you learned from the experience of doing this that you didn't know going into it this is going to sound cliche but it's how wonderful people are around the world there's so many more good people than not in the world i don't know what we're afraid of Mm -hmm. there's more good than bad really and i'll tell you this i think a generalization can be made that most people on earth are better than their governments right right we should never forget that we the people so should you get another season, do you have a wish list of places you want to go? Nonstop. I have, I have a uh, never-ending list. And by the time you get through the list, it's time to go back and revisit because things change. And you can go back. I, I look at Bourdain and I say, look, 16, 17 years. He goes back. to. The, he's been to Paris I don't know how many times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did Paris in the first series. Uh, it's almost time to go back. You know, there are places you can't wait to go back. This, this the, Out of these six... I can't wait to go back to Lisbon. That was a total surprise Mm -hmm. to me. Why was it such a surprise to you? Uh, It's kind of an underrated, it's not the first city that pops up when you hear you're going to Europe. Paris, Barcelona, Florence, those are the ones we did in the first batch for Europe. You don't think of uh, Lisbon automatically. My joke is that that people think of Portugal as the New Jersey of Spain. (laughs) But it's not. It's not. It's wonderful it has its own rich culture it's really beautiful it's absolute should be everyone's first or second stop in europe not last have you been lisbon no it's on my list oh man well look at that episode i'm telling you you'll you'll want to go not because of me but because just look yeah i can't wait yeah so in the theme of somebody feed phil we have food for you what this is a recommendation from our marketing department it's lentil soup from around the corner 
made they by want an, me to taste it. Ma- made by an old woman who would not give us the recipe. So you know, I think there's an episode for you and her. Is this, is this, this like is a, from Dea? This is hilarious. This is going to be like a gypsy curse. <laughs> exactly. The, an old woman. We don't know her name. She has one eye and one tooth, and she made you a special soup. And she said, "Give it to Phil. Give it to Phil." All so right. This look. Is the point of the podcast where we. So there's a there's a there's a, a pita bread on the side. There's a, a little styrofoam thing of soup with a plastic lid on it. I'm, I'm taking off the lid. You're very good at narrating this. There's no – it's a greenish thing. It looks a little like split pea. Th- is there a spoon? We need to get you a spoon. No, I got it. Oh, okay, good. Here it is. It's in here. There's a napkin in the bag. That's the bag, everybody. <laughs> um, all right. Hang on, people. Here we go. It's a little clear on top. The, the stuff is at the bottom. Oh, it's like a pureed thing. I see little bits of pepper in there. Hang on. Mmm. No, no, no. Good. No, no, no. This is very good. This <laughs> good. Is, we did not kill Phil. No, no. It's like a. It's like a one of those pureed kind of split pea soups, but it's yellow lentils, right? Mm-hmm. Yellow lentils. Oh yeah, it's like a great split pea soup, a little more subtle than that, but perfectly delicious. All right, we've done our part. Phil is happy. Yes. Mmm. Why doesn't every podcast have soup for me? <laughs> I don't know. See, wasn't this the best podcast you've ever done? Absolutely. I'm not I, even lying. And this I didn't is, ask you about the Iran nuclear deal. You can. <laughs> I have opinions. But, but I, I listen, you're delightful. And, and there's soup. And I know Dea uh, made sure I had soup. And I don't know. The, the pita is a nice thing on the side, too. I'm not going to fill up on bread. My mother told me. Don't fill up on bread. So. But thanks for that. You're welcome. Thanks so much for coming by. It's been a pleasure. I loved it. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking to the executive producers of Hulu's new 9-11 series, Looming Tower, Dan Futterman, Alex Gibney, and Lawrence Wright. See you next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.